Well, welcome everybody. Welcome to Grace this weekend. Welcome everybody watching online who stayed up late to watch God bless his Buckeyes last night, right? And so amen with the woo. Uh, so <laughs> welcome and glad that you guys are here and uh, glad that we can hang out a little bit this weekend. Uh, before I jump uh, all the way into our conversation, I want to keep something in front of you. Uh, that's coming up. Um, every semester, usually, uh, we offer something called Financial Peace University. And uh, Financial Peace University, maybe you've heard of Dave Ramsey, he's all over the place. Uh, we use that tool. And uh, that's going to fire up in the fall here on October 13th. October 13th. So it's on the app, it's on the website if you want to look at it there. Uh, Financial Peace University is a great thing for a bunch of folks. So uh, maybe you're in high school or college kind of getting your independent financial life moving. Uh, this would be a great tool for you. Uh, maybe financial management doesn't come naturally for you. So a little bit of a system. And that's what this is. It's kind of a, a basic system that you can uh, think through and get your finances lined up in such a way. Uh, if your finances have gotten out ahead of you, school debt, credit card debt, those kind of things, uh, this 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 uh, seminar will help with that. It'll help you know how to kind of manage your way out of it and break free from those things. And so just encourage you, it's just a great tool. Heidi and I, 20 years ago, uh, read through the Financial Peace University stuff, kind of set our finances up for that, especially the debt-free part is a big part of it. And so just encourage you, if you need it or want it or looking for something like that, it's a great opportunity to take advantage of and uh, something we kind of endorse and operate here at Grace. So October 13th, it'll fire up. And uh, the details are on the app and on the website. You can look at those and, uh, and jump up with it, okay? So we're in, a, we're in a series right now that we started last weekend called God and Money. Uh, the reason why we're talking about God and Money is because Jesus does so much, right? So uh, uh, 13 parables Jesus gave about money. And Jesus knows that it's a big deal. He talked more about money than he did prayer. He talked more about money than he did heaven. He talked more about money than he did hell. Uh, he talked more about money than he does marriage. So in order for us to teach you what Jesus taught us, we teach about money here on a regular basis at Grace because Jesus knows that as human beings, money is a part of our lives. It's a, it's a tool that God gives us that can be a very dangerous tool, powerful tool. Number one reason given for divorce is financial. Number one stress in North America is finances. Number one reason given for relational discourse is finances. And so it's all part of our lives. And Jesus knows that. And he knows that the great temptation with money is for us as human beings to look to money to do what only God can do. I want money to make me happy, money to make me secure, money to make me fulfilled, money to make my dreams come true. And those are roles that God must play in our lives. And the Bible says that whenever I allow something or ask something besides Christ to play that kind of a pivotal role in my life, that thing that I have asked becomes an idol. And that's something I start worshiping and living for, and it displaces Jesus 
as the definer and the director of my life. So God just knows that it's a, it's a big part of our human experience. It's not really a North American thing. It's just a thing and that we have to be aware of it and always be drawn back to the biblical basis of it and so that we're always pursuing and following the, the heart of Jesus. I was talking last weekend after service to some college students and uh, we were kind of goofing off a little bit and they, they said to me, they said, Jeff, we don't know what to get out of this sermon series because we're not into money. And so we're not, we're not going to school to get rich and we don't want to drive a, a Lamborghini one day. You know, we, we don't care about those things. We're not really into money. And so I said, I said, ah, that's fine. I said, let me ask you a question. What are you going to do after you leave here today? And they said, we're going to go to Chipotle because if you're between 18 and 28, it's actually a federal law that you have to go to Chipotle. And I said, that's great. I said, how are you going to get food there? And they're like, well, you tell them what to order and they make it. I, I go, thank you for that, helping me with that. But when, when you get to the end of that process, what happens? Well, you have to pay for it. We're, te- we're goofing off. You know, we're teasing. We have to pay for it. I'm like, how are you going to pay for it? So suddenly you care about money, right? Uh, when it's getting cold outside, are you going to prefer to have heat in your dorm? Is that something that's important to you? Because it, heat costs money. I know because my dad told me, don't leave the door open. You're burning money, right? So I know that, that heat costs money. How are you going to pay for that? I said, let me ask you another question. As you look forward in your life, do you envision yourself living indoors? That something that might be on your heart or a goal, or will you be a woods dweller? How are you going to do that? See, so money, th- this is what's important when we talk about money and, and God. God is not wagging his finger at us saying, you have too much money, you don't have enough, you don't have enough faith if you did, your car's too nice, your house is too big. That's never the point in the Bible. You, you won't really find that in the Bible. God will warn those of us who are rich and command those of us, but he's never looking and saying that you shouldn't be wanting to get rich. That's never the point. It's never an issue of of how rich you are with God. It's always an issue of faith. Are you asking money to do what I do? Are you finding security in money when you should be finding security in me. It's not about who has what and how much. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to get a bunch of money in your life, that's fine. Who cares? I mean, good, good for you. If you want to make more money and have, that's fine. Good for you. It's never the point. The, the point is what drives you, what defines you and what do you place your faith in? See, and Jesus is having this conversation all over the place. And we're going to kind of peek into one of these conversations that he has this weekend. And you're going to see it's faith. It's not money. It's faith. And what do I love? What do I trust? And what do I put my heart into? Let me show you this. Go in your Bibles if you got them to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. It's page 727 in those Bibles that are in the chairs. And by the way, if you don't have a physical copy of the Bible and you want one, just take one of those with you and keep it. Write your name in it. And this is all on the app as well. Okay, so Luke chapter 12. So we're going to jump in about a third of the way through Luke chapter 12. What has been happening before we get to where we're going to start 
is this. Jesus is talking to his disciples and other people who are following him, and he's reassuring them that they don't need to be afraid because they can have faith in him. So there's these people called the Pharisees, or kind of these religious zealots that are out to kind of very opposed to Jesus. Then there's the Roman government, and then there's just critics and Jesus says, listen, don't be afraid of them because I'm around you. I know you. I know the number of hairs on your head. I, I, if you, if you uh, proclaim me before men, I'll proclaim you before my father. We're secure in these things. I'm not going anywhere. I am your protection. I am your security. I am your provider. And that's the conversation that's been happening in Luke chapter 12 thus far. And when you get to Luke chapter 12, verse 13, the conversation takes this financial turn. But remember, it's a conversation about faith. It's not exactly a conversation about finances. So in verse 13, a guy comes up in the crowd and says to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you two? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So this is what's happening culturally. Just let me kind of frame it up for you a little bit. In the ancient world, the person who had all of the money was the father. So all money was the father's money and everyone in the father's family lived off the blessings of the father. Okay? And when the father died, it's not like the modern world when, when a father dies, the money goes to his wife. In the ancient world, when the father died, the money all went to his sons. So the wife and the, and the uh, daughters got nothing. It all went to the sons. And there was a law, there was an ancient Jewish law that said when a father dies, the money goes to the sons and the oldest son gets a double portion of, of the inheritance. It was a law in the ancient world. So what this is, <clears throat> this is a second son who comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, tell my brother to split this 50-50 with me. Dad died and he got double what I got telling to split it 50-50 with me. And Jesus looks at them and says, what? I'm not a lawyer, I'm not your judge. It's just the law of the land. You know, what, what do you, it's not my problem. And then he looks at him and he says, listen, you need to guard your heart. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. You, younger brother, who's upset that your brother got more than you did, you are struggling with greed, and you need to guard your heart against all kinds of greed. You're lacking faith, you're lacking gratitude. What you have is greed. Now, I want you to get a picture of this in your, in your mind, okay? So I went to our, our graphics department at Grace Church, and we spent $100,000, and, and we came up with this graphic, okay? I want you to get this in your head a little bit, okay? So just, just understand what this second son is saying and asking, okay? He's saying this, dad has everything. All money is dad's. Dad produced it. Dad earned it. Dad came up with, a, with an ancient version of like, like a goat exchange or whatever. Like, and he, he built a company and everything is his. All money is the father's, ready? Son number one has an empty hand. 
The oldest son has done nothing to earn it, nothing to create it. He doesn't deserve his dad's money. Son number two has an empty hand. He's done nothing to earn it, nothing to create it. He's done nothing to deserve his father's money. It's the father's money. It's not the oldest son's money. It's not the youngest son's money. The father is not obligated to give anything to anybody because they haven't earned it. So the father dies. The father dies and he starts passing down his gifts of an inheritance. Watch this, this is very expensive. So he starts transferring the money from himself to his oldest son. And he gives his oldest son his inheritance, right? And half the money is there. The second son is like, it's my turn. And the law of the land says, actually it's not. The oldest son gets more. He gets a double portion. The oldest son has nothing, earned nothing, deserves nothing, was gifted something. The second son has nothing, earned nothing, deserves nothing. And then he is also gifted something from his father, but his brother received more than he did. So he is very angry, right? He's looking and he's saying, wait a minute. He got more of what he didn't deserve than I got. And I want half of it. It should be 50-50, right? And Jesus is looking at him and saying, you don't deserve anything. You didn't create anything. You didn't earn anything. You're being greedy. You're not being thankful that your father gave you a gift. You're being jealous that your brother got a greater gift than you got. Watch out, Jesus says. Be on your guard, bud, because you're being greedy. It's the father's stuff. It's gifted to you. How it's gifted is not your business. It's the father's business. And he is blessed his oldest son, according to the law of the land. The father's not playing favorites. He's just following the law. And he has blessed his younger son. And neither of you, neither of you, deserve the blessing. Careful that you don't have an entitlement mentality. Careful that you don't resent the way that someone else was blessed. Because if you do, you will, now now suddenly you're bitter at your father who just gave you a blessing. You're bitter at your brother who was blessed by your father and you're ungrateful for the blessing that you received from him also. Be careful, Jesus says. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed because that greed is affecting you And that greed is stealing from you and that greed is positioning you in the wrong place, see? And this is not where I want you as someone who wants you to have a heart that beats after me. Now, to explain this more deeply to the son that he just kind of rebuked and to his disciples who are following him and listening to him, Jesus tells a parable. And a parable is just a story that Jesus will create to to help us get our head around a truth. So he tells them the parable. 
And here's the parable. I told him this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be Mary sounds a lot like retirement, but I digress. He said that. He said that. That's what I'll do. I, I will. I will just lay this stuff up for me. I am rich. I have an abundance now. I have more than I want or need. And and what I'm going to do with it is I'm going to keep it for myself. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to stack those barns to the shelf. That way, I can live the rest of my life and never have to produce anything. That is my plan. That is what I want to do. God said to him, you fool. That plan, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. In the parable, Jesus is looking and saying, hey, this guy has gotten an abundance. His response to the abundance is to hoard it. Now I can retire and be on vacation for the rest of my life. God looks at him and says, you wanna eat, drink, and be merry for the rest of your life? Yeah, okay, enjoy this evening because life is over tomorrow. There's no reason for you, if, if you're not going to invest your life for me anyways, there's no reason for me to really have you on the planet. And there's certainly no reason for me to bless you with a spiritual inheritance that I blessed you with. So your life is demanded of you. And then Jesus puts out a warning to the hearers and us through the scripture. And he says, that's how it's going to be for whoever sorts things out for themselves, but is not rich toward God. What does it mean to be rich toward God? Another place in the Bible, a guy comes up to Jesus, says, Jesus, what, what's the, what am I supposed to do? What's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, you know, let me answer that for you. Here it is. The greatest commandment is this to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. The second greatest commandment is like that one. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. When I am rich toward God, what I do is this. I take what the Father has given me and I use it for the things that are close to the Father's heart. So I'm rich toward God when I take my abundance and I invest it into the kingdom of God. Maybe I help people know who Christ is. Maybe we send a missionary. Maybe we do justice. Maybe we plant more churches. We're proclaiming the name of Jesus. We're building the kingdom of God. And I'm using my wealth to express my love toward Christ because I'm using it to build into the things that Christ Loves. He loves his church. He loves his kingdom. He loves the work of the Father. And the second is like it. I take my wealth and I'm rich toward Christ when I use my wealth and I invest it in people. I'm compassionate. I meet their needs. I do justice and love mercy in their lives. When I spend my money on the kingdom of God and the church of Jesus Christ and the people that need to hear and feel the love of Christ... I am being rich toward God. The abundance was given 
not for the rich man. The abundance was given so the rich man could express love to God and people with the abundance that God gave him. But instead, he was overwhelmed with greed. Watch out. Be on your guard against all types of greed. Now, how, are we, how can we be on our guard against greed? What motivates greed? How can I watch out? How can I start to recognize greed in my life a little bit? Because the issue is not money. The issue is not who has the most money and who doesn't. The issue is greed. The issue is not wealth, it's greed. So how do I recognize greed in my own life? What motivates greed? Here's a few things that motivate greed the Bible would teach us. One is this. I'm motivated to be greedy when I have a false understanding of the source of my wealth. The reason this rich man felt fine about building bigger barns to keep the wealth that he was given is because he thought he created the wealth. He would have looked at himself and said, I thought ahead, I planted the seed, I'm a good and wise business person. I worked hard. I'm a self-made person. I create my own wealth for myself. And he had a false understanding of where the wealth came from. Therefore, he had a false understanding of who owned it. Did he create the wealth? Well, yeah, he's a hardworking farmer. Really? Did he make the dirt? Did he put the nutrients in the ground? Did he engineer the seed that grew? Did he cause the weather to be great that year? Did he cause just enough rain and just enough sun and just enough temperature so there was an abundant harvest? He did that? Careful with that. I work hard and I'm creative and I went to school and I, I work with my hands and I put in the hours and this is, I earn this money, it's mine. Careful with that. Did you decide that you were going to be born at this time and in this place? Why weren't you born 500 years ago in North America where all you could do was hunt and gather and maybe survive the winter? How come that wasn't you? Did you decide that your mind and your body were going to be healthy so you can understand the things that you can understand and you can do the things that you do? Did you design your personality so that when you see something in your head, you can build it with your hands? Or when you look at a bunch of numbers, you can read the matrix? You, you made yourself that way? And the Bible is very clear. That whatever we do, we do unto the glory of God. So working hard and doing your best and taking advantage of opportunities and investing yourself, absolutely 100% wonderful and good. But let's be careful not to think that we made all of that up. God positioned us. God created us. God enabled us. And whether you are paying your bills or you are wealthy, that source of that wealth is not you. It's the Lord. And when the rich farmer looked and said, I made an abundant crop, therefore I own it, therefore I will keep it. God looks and says, you fool. What are you talking about? You were not involved in this at all. 
I did that for you. And your misplaced sense of where that came from has caused you to be greedy. Watch out. Be on guard that you don't lose sight of where this comes from. Another thing that motivates us for greed, for sure, it's a motivator in greed, is, is old-fashioned selfishness. Old-fashioned selfishness. That I just want it for myself. Here, here's a fascinating thing that we need to see in this parable, right? Ready? Here it is. Here's a verse. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Ready? Here it is. The guy was already rich. This is not a guy that hit the lottery and got lucky and for the first time ever got answered his prayer. This was not the ground of a certain hard worker that tilled the soil and it never produced crops, finally produced it. Nope. This is not what this is. This is a rich man who God has already made rich who God blessed with a greater abundance of riches. He had barns. He tore the barns down and he built bigger barns. And part of what made him greedy was an old-fashioned selfishness. It's fascinating in the parable, Jesus doesn't say, you know, there was a rich man who had nice barns and he had an abundant crop, so he packed his barns to the rafters. You can maybe live with that a little bit. In fact, there's principles like that in the scripture where you would count the cost before you build a tower or you would prepare for tomorrow. We're actually gonna talk about that next weekend. There is nothing wrong with a savings account. There is nothing wrong with retirement. There is nothing wrong with having equity in your house. There is nothing wrong with good financial principles, nothing wrong at all. But he was already rich. So he didn't refill his barns. He didn't even look and say, you know what? Let's go ahead and pack the hayloft out just in case. He didn't do that. He tore them down and built new ones to make them bigger than they were before. Now, surely, surely this rich man had laborers who worked for him. That he could have stocked his barns and filled them to the rafters and blessed his workforce. Surely there's poor people in the town. That, that the rich man could have brought security to his riches and met the needs of the poor. Surely there's widows. Surely there's orphans. Surely there's a young farmer who's trying to get on his feet. And, and there was, after I stacked my barns and filled them to the roof, you know what? I'm just gonna go bless that guy. Help him out a little bit. I want him to be, no. It's mine I created it. I'm already rich. The ground yielded it. I didn't make the ground. And my thought was, I'm going to keep it. I want more of it. I'm rich and I want to be uber rich. Watch out, Jesus says. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And it's a form of greed to say that I want 
more and more. The third motive for, for greed is this one, and I actually think this is the one that we struggle with the most, but, but it's this one. I, I'm greedy, I'm motivated to be greedy when I have a false understanding of our source of security. When I look and say, I need to be secure, this is the way that we tend to function. I think all of us are like this. All of us have some kind of, some version of a number in our head. We have a number in our head. And we think, man, if I had that number, I would be satisfied. We all think that, that a little bit. If you're in college, you're like, man, if I could go to Chipotle twice, this week, right? And that, my life would be perfectly fulfilled, right? And then, and then you get out of college, you get a job, and you think, man, if I, could, if, I could, if I could move from like the Cavalier to the Malibu, I would be like really, really, that's all I really want in life. You get your, you get, maybe you get married, I don't know, and you're like, I just want a house. If we could just own our own house, we're tired of renting. If we could just own our own house, that'd be great. I don't really care where it's at, what it's like. And then you get to be my age and you start thinking about retirement. You're like, I'm getting old fast. Like I need a number in my head. I need, I'm gonna have to work until I hit this number. So you guys are, by the way, you're stuck with me until I hit that number, but I am very open to a buyout. So we can talk to the elders about that. But like, right, so we all kind of have that. If I had this, I would be satisfied. If I had this, I would feel Safe. If I had this put away, this paid off, if the kids went to school in this district, we all have some version of a number in our head and that number can quickly become a God. Because I'll do anything to get that number and I'll do anything to keep that number. And by the way, once you have it, you'll tear down that barn and build a bigger one because you have the opportunity to increase it, which makes you feel more safe. And Jesus knows this is a big temptation for us. He even elaborated kind of on this point. He goes on in the passage, verse 22, he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spend, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his splendor was, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? See, he's not, he's not saying you who didn't act responsibly and put enough money away. You who have the wrong number in your head. It's not what he's talking about. <clears throat> he's not talking about wealth. He's talking about greed. He's looking and saying, guys, you're obsessed with this number. You won't trust me with your finances beyond this number. You won't risk a career or a life change because you're gonna get away from this number. You're struggling. What is driving your greed is your lack of faith. You think you're your provider and you think you are your security. You want money to do what I do. You of little faith, and he goes on, he says, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. A pagan is a godless person. Someone who, who does not have me in their life thinks this way. 
someone who doesn't believe in a loving God thinks this way. Someone who thinks that their wealth is theirs thinks this way. Somebody who thinks that their own provider, that's the way that they think. You're not that way, you're my children. You're people of faith, you're children of God. People who are godless think that way. My children don't think that way. What I want you to do is seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as, as well. Seek me. Use the money for the reasons I gave it to you. Be rich toward God. I will provide for you. I will decide if you get a double portion or a single portion. That, that's my money. I'll decide how I divide it up. Your job is to use it. Your job is to be rich toward God. And when you become greedy, the very thing that I gave you to bless you and the very thing that I gave you to allow you to use for me is now acting as a wedge between you and me. My blessing is dividing your heart away from mine. And you're greedy. And be on your guard. Watch out. I didn't give it to you to hoard it. And, and if you're not going to be the instrument in which my blessing flows through you to the work of God and to the, to the people that I love, I don't really need you as a middleman then. It's a foolish way to think. And greed overwhelms because I think it's mine. I think I created it. Because we're selfish, we all struggle with being selfish, discontent and unsatisfied. And because you have a number that you're worshiping instead of a God that you're trusting. See? Faith. I told you last week, um, money's not evil. It's dangerous. Right? I want you to have that in your head. It's not evil, it's dangerous. And, and I want you to get this phrase in your head this weekend. Money's not a trophy, it's a tool. So money's not a trophy, it's a tool. It's not something I hold up and say, look what I achieved, look what I got. It's a tool that I use. So money's not evil, it's dangerous, it's not a trophy, it's a tool. And put those two things together and I would say this, it's a dangerous tool. It is meant to be used to be rich toward God, to build the kingdom of God and to bless people. It's, it's meant to be used for that, but it's a dangerous tool. You need to watch out or greed will replace faith when it comes to money, right? Now, I'm gonna give you a visual. This is pretty cheesy what I'm about ready to do. So I know that. I don't need you to email me about it. I won't read it anyways. But this is, but you will remember this, okay? So you'll remember that time that Pastor Jeff did what he's about ready to do, okay? So money is a dangerous tool. I want you to think of money like a chainsaw, okay? So this is my chainsaw, <clears throat> by the way. I know the chain is loose, so don't tell me. Just shut up. All right, so this is my chainsaw. And this chainsaw is a tool, but it's a dangerous tool, right? And I want you to think of money as a chainsaw. When you need a chainsaw, there is no better tool that you can possibly have than this one right now. I probably use this thing on a weekly basis. I can do things with this chainsaw I could never do on my own. I had this big tree fall out of our woods and land on my septic system about a, a week or so ago. And I was like, 
I, I will protect my family and go handle the tree. And so I got my chainsaw out and I'm cutting a tree and moving a tree and cleaning up a mess. I could have never done it without this tool and this tool is dangerous, right? You don't cut wood in flip-flops. I have special boots, steel toe boots that I put on just for when I'm using my chainsaw. You don't use a chainsaw without eye protection. You don't throw a chainsaw to a kid and say, cut away. You need to learn to use the tool. You need to understand the tool because it will help, it will ease, it will make a difference, and it kicks. And it will kick and it will kill you. It's a dangerous tool. It's not evil. It's not a trophy. When I see the need for the chainsaw, I don't go into my garage and say, I love my chainsaw. In fact, if you have a chainsaw that's not beat up, something wrong with you, right? <laughs> because it's meant to be used, okay? Told you, a little cheesy, but you'll remember that. Money's a chainsaw. Money's a tool, guys. It's not bad to have money. It's not evil. God doesn't care how nice your car is. He doesn't care how big your house is. He doesn't care about your retirement accounts. None of those things are evil as long as they're not motivated by greed. See? It's just dangerous because money will kick. You better hold on when you're dealing with money. You better know how to deal with money. It'll kick. See? And if you don't use it properly, Jesus in the parable is saying, why would you have it then? See? I gave it to you so you can be rich toward God. Jesus talks to the brother, says, you're just struggling with greed, gives the parable, then tells us all don't to worry. And then he lands this whole passage, all the same passage, Luke chapter 12. He lands the passage here, ready? Where your heart is, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Very famous verse. If, you're, if, you're, if your treasure is in those barns over there, your heart's in those barns. You trust those barns more than you trust me. If your treasure is making you rich toward God, if your treasure's in the kingdom, if your treasure's in people's lives, then your heart will be in the kingdom. It will be in people's lives, right? It always follows. Money's not evil. It's just dangerous. Money's not a trophy. It's a tool. It's a dangerous tool. And when used under God's supervision with his wisdom, it's one of the most helpful things that will ever be entrusted to the people of God. When used irresponsibly or in an immature way, it'll kick and it'll kill you. So Jesus isn't scolding, he's warning. See, he's warning, be careful with this. Keep your heart in the right place and your money will show up where I want it to show up. Let's think through some takeaways this weekend. And, these are the questions I kind of wrote down or thoughts. One was this. I just, I just always kind of feel compelled to say this. Number one is this. If you're getting ready to tear down perfectly good barns and build bigger ones, 
here's what I would say. Invite God into that process before you do it. Okay, now the rich man had barns. So I'm sure that along the way, as he was becoming rich, he tore down smaller barns and built barns and other barns and improved barns. The, the, it's not a sin to have a barn. That's not the point. The sin is when I have the abundance, what do I do with it? If the barns are already providing for me. So you, you may be getting ready to build a, a bigger barn, <clears throat> upgrade the car, get a nicer house. That's fine, right? It's no big deal. A nice car is just a car that's nicer than mine. A big house is just a house that's bigger than mine. God doesn't care, right? So it's not, it's not a scolding, don't you dare. It, it's a question. Have you invited Christ into the process? Jesus, you have given us an abundance. What do you want me to do with your money? Right? As a father, I, I enjoy blessing my children. I enjoy vacation. I en, I'm grateful they get to go to school where they go to, and I enjoy giving them things. It, it, it's not a sin. None of that's a sin. It's a question. It, it, father, this is your money. Is this how you would want this to be spent? So before you tear down the old barn... Make sure that that's the right move. We're already rich and the ground produced the abundance. I didn't, okay? That's question number one. Here's question number two. Could it be that worry is drowning out your faith? Could it be that worry is drowning out your faith? I feel led to, I really want to, what we ought to do is, what I think God is leading toward is, but, I gotta, get, I gotta hit the number. So I'll sacrifice godliness to hit the number. I'll sacrifice generosity to hit the number. See, I'm worried. I, f I feel called into ministry, but I'm told there's no money in it, and you have been told correctly, right? I don't know if I want my kids to do that. See, it's hard. I, I was just in between services talking to Mitch and Susan Sintek. They're headed back to Chad this week. See, that's scary. They got a baby with them. They had, they had their little girl here. They're back with the baby. I said, you guys a little scared? We're a little bit nervous. We'll see you in two years, Pastor Jeff. That's what they said. See, faith, proud of them. Faith drove them further than worry. They're not being reckless. They're not unconcerned. They're not ill-prepared. But they're not hanging on to something else. God is our provider, He's a protector even of our baby. We're gonna go do what God's called us to do. It is, is worry drowning out your faith, okay? And here's the last thing I thought about was this. Sometimes the first step of faith is obedience. Sometimes the first step of faith is obedience. And this is where the, the, the Bible, sometimes when the Bible is leading us and teaching us about faith, it, it starts with basic instructions that grow into deeper things. And the point isn't the basic instruction. The point is the deeper thing. So it's where you get into things like tithing. It's a basic instruction. Uh, living generously. Caring for the poor. Every book of the Bible alludes to that. Caring for widows. Caring for orphans. A modern day widow and orphan would be like a single mom and a fatherless child. 
And God would say very specifically, you should put your money there. If you have never practiced being rich toward God, those are the types of things that you can start doing. They're kind of easy and tangible, and you can start being rich toward God. So for some of us, it's basic obedience, guys. And this is, this is a big deal. Listen, this is important, ready? Just because your life is not driven by money does not mean it's driven by faith. That's probably a tattoo you should get. Just If you say, well, Jeff, I don't care about being rich. I don't care. I shop at Goodwill. I don't care about name brand. It's fine. Just because your life is not driven by money does not mean it's, it's driven by faith. And the issue is faith. So if you have anything, you have something to share, see? And some of the greediest people I've ever met are some of the poorest people I've ever known because they worry about tomorrow. So they will throw an elbow to get that thing. So just because your life is not driven by money does not mean it's driven by faith. In faith, sometimes the first steps of faith are obedience. The low-hanging fruit in the Bible. Am I just basically doing the things that God instructs his people to do, okay? Your treasure, is it in the barn or is it making you rich toward God? And Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. I want your heart. And let me define and direct you and your treasure will wind up where I gave it to you to wind up, where I intended for it to be. All right, let me pray for us as the band comes out. Jesus, help us with this, all of us. Lord, whether we have big, big, big barns or a little shed in the backyard, we all are blessed by you. And Lord, help us, help us to enjoy what you've given us. Help us to celebrate when a brother or sister gets something more than we do. God, if we have more, let us share it, Lord. Just all of it, let it be your heart, be your gifting, and and to see ourselves as stewards, managers, to not be selfish, and to know that we're always dependent on you. God, this area is something that you want us to open up to you. That's why you talk about it so much and so Press into our hearts, press into our minds, shape this area of our life as well, Jesus, and let our faith and love for you deepen as our love and service to those around us deepen as well. Work in us in those ways even now, Jesus, in your name, amen.